Shalom, and thank you for listening at BethEmmanuel.org. We rely on the generosity of our listeners to sustain this ministry and the message of Messianic Judaism for all nations. Please consider making a donation to Beth Emanuel by clicking on the Donate tab at BethEmmanuel.org. Some said, He is John the Baptist. Others said, Elijah. And others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Today is the first Sabbath that falls within a period of time called the Three Weeks. The Three Weeks refers to the interval between the Fast of Tammuz, which was on Thursday, and the Fast of Av, the ninth of Av, which is the anniversary of the destruction of the Temple. These three weeks commemorate the interval of time between the breaching of Jerusalem's walls and the final fall of Jerusalem and the destruction of the temple, which occurred on the ninth day of the fifth month. The three-week interval is referred to as Bein HaMetzarim, which means between the straits, between the narrows. The name derives from a quotation from Lamentations 1.3. Judah has gone into exile because of affliction and hard servitude, she dwells now among the nations, but finds no resting place. Her pursuers have all overtaken her, Bain Hametzarim, in the midst of her distress. Beginning with the first Sabbath of Bain Hametzarim, between the narrows, the prescribed synagogue lectionary deviates from its regular program. Ordinarily, the Haftarah portion from the prophets has been selected because of some similarity in content between that passage and the weekly Torah portion. Whether it tells a similar story, delivers a similar message, or simply contains some verbal analogy or common turn of, turn of phrase, there is always some connection between the Haftarah portion and the Torah portion. Beginning with the Shabbat that comes after the Fast of Tammuz, however, the Haftarah portion no longer follows that program. Instead, the Haftarah portions are chosen in connection with the catastrophic event of the destruction of Jerusalem and the Holy Temple of God. Therefore, over the course of these three Sabbaths of Bein HaMetzarim, leading up to the ninth of Av, the ninth day of the fifth month, which is the anniversary of the Temple's destruction, we read three prophecies of warning and admonition, which admonish the people for the sins which lead to the destruction of the temple, warning that God's judgment is coming soon. The first two readings are consecutive chapters from the beginning of Jeremiah, and the third is the beginning of the book of Isaiah. After the ninth of Av, in the anniversary of the destruction of the temple, we will begin seven special Haftarah readings from the book of Isaiah to be read on seven consecutive Sabbaths. These seven readings are called the Seven Weeks of Consolation, and they are prophecies and oracles from the latter chapters of Isaiah which predict the final redemption and the rebuilding of Jerusalem, the Messianic era, the kingdom of heaven on earth. All right, let's start in Jeremiah 1. The words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, one of the priests who were in Anatot, in the land of Benjamin, to whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, in the thirteenth year of his reign. 
Jeremiah 1.1. This is some important information. If you turn to 2 Kings 21.20, it will place us into the lifetime of Jeremiah the prophet, 13 years earlier, with the assassination of the Davidic king Ammon. Ammon is the son of the wicked king Manasseh, as it says in verse 20. And he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, as Manasseh his father had done. He walked in all the way in which his father walked, and served the idols that his father served and worshipped them. He abandoned the Lord, the God of his fathers, and did not walk in the way of the Lord. And the servants of Ammon conspired against him, and put the king to death in his house. When Ammon was assassinated, the Davidic heir that he left behind him was his eight-year-old son, Josiah. Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign, and he reigned thirty-one years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Yedida, the daughter of Adiah of Bozkat. And he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and walked in all the ways of David his father. And he did not turn aside to the right or to the left. 2 Kings 22, 1-4 This is the story of Torah rediscovered. Young Josiah had a heart for the Lord and he loves the God of David. But he does not know the Bible of David the Torah. He knows that a northern kingdom of Israel, the Ten Tribes, was deported into exile more than a century ago. He has heard the prophets declare that this happened to them as a punishment for their idolatry and syncretism worshipping at the high places. Josiah has a heart for God, seeking God, and trying to do what is right. And according to the story, as it's told in 2 Chronicles 34, when this young man turned 16 years old, he began a campaign to purge the north of idolatry in high places, doing as much for God as he knew right. But despite all that, he did not know the Torah, because in his day the actual written Torah had fallen into disuse, then neglect, Then it had been largely forgotten and lost over the course of two generations of apostasy. And the people of Judah were involved in all sorts of idolatrous practices, most of which Josiah the king would not have really known any better because he was raised with them. And he had no Bibles, so to speak, to check against. He had no Torah. He was just, you know, going to church because that's what church-going folk did. Then, in the 18th year of King Josiah, during a temple renovation project, King Josiah will discover the Torah, specifically the book of Deuteronomy. It says, In the 18th year of King Josiah, the king sent Shaphan, the son of Azaliah, the son of Meshulam, the secretary, to the house of the Lord, saying, Go up to Hilkiah the high priest, that he may count the money that has been brought to the house of the Lord, which the keepers of the threshold have collected from the people. Shaphan goes up to the temple to take care of the renovation money. In the temple, Hilkiah the priest takes him aside and says, I have found a scroll of the Torah in the house of the Lord. Hilkiah gives the Torah scroll to Shaphan. Shaphan takes it to the king. The now 36-year-old Josiah asks Shaphan to read it to him. Shaphan reads the whole Torah out loud to Josiah. Josiah tells his servants, Go, inquire of the Lord for me and for the people and for all Judah concerning the words of this book that has been found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is kindled against us, because our fathers have not obeyed the words of this book. 
to do according to all that is written concerning us. The Torah had not been completely forgotten. Among the prophetic community, the prophets of Judah, you had those old-time Bible Belt-style fundamentalists, the Haredi of Judah, who still trembled at the word, and they still knew the Torah. There were many prophets in those days. Most of them, as always, were false prophets, but not all of them. Among the prophets, you also had these old-fashioned Bible thumpers, and they were a highly literate society, highly educated, a secretive people, the prophetic schools, a mystical people who knew the Word of God. They knew the written Torah and maintained a radical commitment to it. They knew God's written Word, but they also knew His spoken Word, spoken to them through mystical experiences and spoken through them. When Josiah encountered the Torah, he wanted to know the real truth of the matter, what God would say, and the king's men knew where to look. They went to the old prophets. This is our role in the world today. This is how we need to understand ourselves in the Messianic Jewish movement and the post-supersessionist schools of Christianity. As Peter said, you are sons and daughters of the prophets. Messianic Judaism holds the keys to unlock the scriptures. We hold the key to the prophets. I don't mean that in the charismatic, I have a word of the Lord for you, brother, sense. Being a prophet doesn't mean just predicting the future or doing fortune telling. Being a prophet means speaking the word of God. In another generation, Christianity will be vanishing like smoke in this land. I'm speaking to the children here. You are the last of the last, the last of the true prophets of God. Not only is the Torah forgotten, but a time is coming and is now come when the whole Bible will be forgotten and the word of the Lord is lost. You are the last of the last, and the world your children grow up in will be a world of secular atheism and superstition. But we are the sons of the coming kingdom, those who have read the writing on the wall and understood it. We are those who know what is yet to come. We have seen the vision of the messianic era and the day of the Lord, the judgment that precedes it. We are like the school of the prophets for today's world. That's our calling in the messianic movement. And when those Josiahs of the world stumble upon the Torah, they will know where to go to come and find us. I believe that's our job, our mission here. Remember, though, that not everything that is called Messianic Judaism is Messianic Judaism, but only that which will hold on to the Bible, the unchanging Word of God, and the literal coming of the Kingdom of Heaven, those who keep the commandments of God and the testimony of Yeshua. Josiah sent his men to inquire of these old-time Bible-believing prophets who still remained here and there in the Kingdom of Judah. You could find them if you knew where to look. And they found Huldah, the prophetess. When the king's men came to Huldah, the prophetess, and asked her, What's going to happen to us and to the kingdom? Huldah told them. She said to them, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Tell the man who sent you to me, that is Josiah, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will bring disaster upon this place and upon its inhabitants, all the words of the book that the king of Judah has read, 
because they have forsaken me and have made offerings to other gods, that they might provoke me to anger with all the work of their hands. Therefore my wrath will be kindled against this place, and it will not be quenched. But to the king of Judah, who sent you to inquire of the Lord, thus shall you say to him, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Regarding the words that you have heard, because your heart was penitent, and you humbled yourself before the Lord, when you heard how I spoke against this place and against its inhabitants, that they should become a desolation and a curse, and you have torn your clothes and wept before me, I also have heard you, declares the Lord. Therefore, behold, I will gather you to your fathers, and you shall be gathered to your grave in peace, and your eyes shall not see all the disaster that I will bring upon this place. And they brought back word to the king. When Josiah heard this, he began a massive reform, an impressive national revival and restoration, a return to the Torah, Torah rediscovered. He restored Judah and forestalled the judgment. He bought some time for the nation by turning the people to repentance. All of that happened in the 18th year of King Josiah. And now we can turn back to Jeremiah because five years earlier, in the 13th year of King Josiah, another young man received the prophetic word of the Lord. The word of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, one of the priests who were at Anatot in the land of Benjamin, to whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, in the 13th year of his reign. It came also in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah and until the eleventh year of Zedekiah, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, until the captivity of Jerusalem in the fifth month. Jeremiah 1, 1 through 3. According to the superscription, Jeremiah's commissioning as a prophet took place five years before Josiah has rediscovered the Torah and began his reformation. This explains why Josiah was already on this path. Jeremiah was already an influence in his court, where he served as scribe to the king. Jeremiah prepared the ground for repentance prior to the Torah rediscovered moment in the life of King Josiah. Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Ah, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say, I am only a youth. For to all to whom I send you, you shall go. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord put his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have set you this day over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and to break down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. Jeremiah 1, 4 through 10. This is the commissioning of Jeremiah the prophet. God will use him as the prophet of the destruction of the temple, a prophet of doom prophesying the destruction of Jerusalem. The Lord says, I had set you aside for this job before you were born. Jeremiah objects like Moses, the reluctant, 
the reluctant prophet. But the Lord touches his mouth and puts his words in his mouth. And then he shows him a vision, a test vision, so to speak, to test Jeremiah's capacity for prophetic revelation. And the word of the Lord came to me saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? And I said, I see an almond branch, a shakade. Then the Lord said to me, You have seen well, for I am watching shohed over my word to perform it. What is the word he is watching over to perform? It is the Torah, the reproof of Deuteronomy 28, which Josiah was yet to discover. It's those national level curses for breach of covenant and disobedience to the Torah, which Josiah was yet to read and to lament over and to rend his garments. The word of the Lord came to me a second time, saying, What do you see? And I said, I see a boiling pot facing away from the north. Then the Lord said to me, Out of the north, disaster shall be let loose upon all the inhabitants of the land. Out of the north. When invasion came to the land of Israel from Mesopotamia, it came from the north. Even though Babylon and Assyria were in the east, they could not cross the Arabian desert with an army. So they always marched out of the north. From the north, the Assyrians had come and carried away the kingdom of Israel into exile. From the north, the Assyrians had come and battered Judah in the days of Isaiah and King Hezekiah. Trouble always came from the north. But this message is the opposite of what everyone would be saying in Josiah's days. In those days, in the 13th year of Josiah, Assyria was in decline. The old empire was rotting away. Egypt had declared her independence. Babylon was breaking free. Assyria was crumbling like the failed state of Russia, the former Soviet Union, fallen on its face. And after more than a century, the kingdom of Judah was finally free of fear of an Assyrian invasion. But Jeremiah sees a boiling pot of disaster pouring out from the north. Verse 15 and 16 is the core of what Jeremiah's prophetic message is to be. This is his programmatic text. He is the prophet of doom to warn Jerusalem that judgment is coming. For behold, I am calling all the tribes of the kingdoms of the north, declares the Lord, and they shall come, and every one shall set his throne at the entrance of the gates of Jerusalem, against all its walls all around, and against all the cities of Judah. And I will declare my judgments against them for all their evil in forsaking me. They have made offerings to other gods and worshipped the works of their own hands. This is not going to be a popular message, is it? to go to his own countrymen and tell them that the city of Jerusalem is going to be surrounded and conquered by invaders from the north, and God is the one behind it. So don't bother praying to God for help because he's the one doing it. God is the one bringing this calamity. So the Lord says to Jeremiah, But you, dress yourself for work. Arise and say to them everything that I command you. Do not be dismayed by them, lest I dismay you before them. And I, behold, I make you this day a fortified city, an iron pillar, and bronze walls against the whole land and against the kings of Judah, its officials, its priests, and the people of the land. They will fight against you, but they will not prevail against you. 
for I am with you, declares the Lord, to deliver you. Let's draw some parallels. The story of Jeremiah the prophet, his ministry and message, uniquely parallels the ministry and message of Yeshua. Jeremiah was the prophet of the destruction of the first temple. Yeshua, the prophet of the destruction of the second temple. So there is a one-to-one correspondence between Yermiyahu and Yeshua regarding their prophetic calling, message, and mission. And so whenever I read the story of Jeremiah's commissioning in Jeremiah 1, I cannot help but hear the Father's voice speaking directly to his anointed son, Yeshua, through the words of Jeremiah the prophet. I believe that Jeremiah 1, 4 through 10, though originally spoken to Jeremiah, is written down as a message left behind by God for his coming son like a note left behind on the kitchen table in the morning in the days before text messaging. So picture this, if you will. Picture the scene in Nazareth, the young carpenter, a young man in his early 30s, not long after his immersion in the Jordan, as he is wrestling with the revelation of that bot coal. You are my son in whom I am well pleased. Today I have begotten you. And he looks to the scroll of the prophets, opens Jeremiah, and hears the voice of God speaking through those very words, speaking directly to his soul, a conversation between the father and son as Yeshua of Nazareth comes to a full full awareness of who he is and what his mission is to be. The father says to his son, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Yeshua replies in whispered prayer, like Moses at the burning bush, like Jeremiah, Ah, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a youth. But the father says to him, Do not say, I am only a youth. For to all to whom I send you, you shall go, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Then the hand of the Father touches the mouth of the Son, and the Father says to the Son, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have set you this day over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and to break down to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. I believe that's how it happened and how it was that Yeshua of Nazareth came to know the voice of the Lord and his own destiny. God speaks through his ancient words just as he spoke to the prophets of old. He speaks to us today and he speaks through the words of the prophets. You are like Jeremiah living in a godless world in an age of religious apostasy and worse than apostasy, utter godlessness. God commissions you to speak, to speak out for truth, to speak out for his Torah, to speak out the gospel and the good news of salvation, to be a voice of hope because judgment is coming quickly upon the whole earth, a coming time of wrath. And you know this to be true. But when you look at the world around you, And the people around you, you say, Ah, Lord, behold, I do not know how to speak. This people will not listen to me. So the Lord says to you, Do not say I am only a youth. For to all to whom I send you, you shall go. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them. For I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord.
Now the hand of the Father touches your mouth. O Lord, open my lips that my mouth might declare your praise. The Lord says to you, dress yourself for work. Arise and say to them everything that I command you. They will fight against you, but they shall not prevail against you. For I am with you, declares the Lord, to deliver you. The Haftarah portion does not end here, for even though it's one of the three admonitions, one of the three rebukes, it's against the rules to end a public reading of Scripture on the Sabbath on a bad note. We may be Bain Hametzarim in the midst of the three weeks, but it's still Sabbath, a time of peace and joy, not sorrow and distress. So we read on into Jeremiah 2, just three more verses, where God suddenly turns nostalgic for the good old days, and he looks back to a day when Israel was faithful like a young bride, to the days of Moses coming up out of the wilderness, to the days of Joshua, very similar to Yeshua's words to the believers in Ephesus when he said, But I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. Anything worthwhile in life is difficult. And it's hard to keep your hand to the plow year after year, Sabbath after Sabbath, and to stay on the straight and narrow. But remember from where you have fallen. Repent. Do the works you did at first. Recapture your zeal. So we read, The word of the Lord came to me, saying, Go and proclaim in the hearing of Jerusalem. Thus says the Lord, I remember the devotion of your youth, your love as a bride, how you followed me in the wilderness, in a land not sown. The Lord compares the nation of Israel to the first fruits of a harvest, which must be brought to the temple and presented to the priesthood. Anyone who ate the first fruits was liable, because the first fruits were to be given to the Lord. He brings up the analogy to point out that in the old days, God would have struck Israel's enemies down for touching his anointed people in the days before they had incurred such guilt. So it says, Israel was holy to the Lord, the first fruits of his harvest. All who ate of it incurred guilt. Disaster came upon them, declares the Lord. And so the Haftar leaves us with that thought. If Israel is the Lord's first fruits, the first fruits of his harvest, then the whole harvest will not be complete until all nations have been brought to the Lord. The kingdom of heaven on earth, the messianic future for which we stand, thy kingdom come, is the whole harvest. May God strengthen us and make us stand by the merit and virtue of our Master Yeshua to withstand the days to come, to maintain faith, that he may touch your mouth that words may be given to you to open your mouth boldly and to proclaim the message of the gospel. Take on my yoke and learn from it and find rest for your soul. 